Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Blog Talk Radio. I hate you both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes, in the head. <laughs> I'm as tired as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain! Are you telling me you built a time machine? Out of a Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Hello there, children. Hey, hey, kids. <laughs> People seem to like me because I am polite and I'm rarely late. And now, the hosts of the Stupid Cancer Show, Lisa Bernhard and Matthew Zappi. Woohoo! Monday, November 8th, and welcome back to the Stupid Cancer Show, the voice of young adults with cancer. I am Matthew Zachary, a 14-year young adult survivor of pediatric brain cancer. And I'm Lisa Bernhardt, 15-year young adult breast cancer survivor, and we are your hosts for the Stupid Cancer Show. Got cancer? Unrecorded? Sucks, huh? Well, get busy living because the Stupid Cancer Show is here to change the world one chemo infusion at a time. Tonight's show, First Descent, with Brad Ludden, young adult cancer advocate, professional Nike kayak athlete, founder, First Descent. Lisa Goodman-Goldstein, director of communications at First Descent, and leading it off in our survivor spotlight, the Beamer, Brian Wickman, two-time cancer survivor, chondrosarcoma, and papillary carcinoma, and a grad student at Columbia University. And as a reminder, folks, this broadcast is a production of the I'm Too Young for This Cancer Foundation. Online at i2y.com, we help young adults fight cancer every single day, and we're bringing the cause of cancer under 40 to the national spotlight where it belongs because it's not okay that 70,000 young adults are diagnosed with cancer every single year. So hello, my friends, and welcome to yet another fun-filled and exciting romp through the hay on tonight's stupid cancer show where remission is not a cure and survivorship is all that matters. And a stupid cancer welcome to all of our first-time listeners on the Blog Talk Radio Network and iTunes as we broadcast live from the Chemo Deck, our fabulous studio in downtown Manhattan. Please welcome our Chief Cancer Anarchist and Vice President of Grassroots Programming, the one and only Mr. Jack Bufard. What's up? Jack. Well, you have to refer to me as radio because this is the first descent show. Jack, uh, as, as our listeners will learn tonight, everyone who attends a first descent camper tree gets a nickname, and Jack's is radio. And it has nothing to do with Cuba Gooden Jr. in a shopping cart. Well, one might presume. Uh, anyway, 
Jack will be monitoring our live interactive concurrent chat room, so if you have any questions for our guests, let him know, and we'll do our best to get them answered. And, yes, we are joined by our fabulous broadcast production assistant, young and old survivor, Amanda Freeman, in the house tonight. Where is she? She's in the corner. She's knitting on the couch. I'm telling you, put those things in Bloomingdale's. Zach, get a lot of money. She's become quite the expert knitter. I'm excited. I'm excited that she's here tonight. I know. She looks great. She got all dolled up for us. She did. She put makeup on. I know. It's fantastic. It's exciting. We must be important people. <laughs> she looks all pretty. Well, she always looks pretty. I was going to say we have a gaggle of guests, but this is more of a pride, like <laughs> a lion's pride that's right, Matthew. of guests. It because is. We have, this could possibly be the largest number of people we've actually wanted to have in the room at the same time <laughs> uh, in the history of the Stupid Cancer Show. And I'm going to start reading off a whole bunch of names, the majority of whom are all First Descent Marathon Team Runners. Uh, actually, they're all First Descent Marathon Team Runners who finished the ING New York City Marathon yesterday. Wow. And I have no questioning of how delicate their thighs are this evening. But welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, our guests. Matthew Hain, Lillian Lorenzo Luasis, Elisa Rodriguez, Lindsay Snow Osborne, April Capil, Angela Rossi, Lauren Callahan, Pam Papa Petru, and Jenny Corey. Yeah. Is that everybody? All right. So who has the most sensitive thighs? <laughs> Brad? Yeah. And, of course, Amanda Freeman's here, Kenny Kane, our VP of Operations, and Aaron Eloise, our VP of Outreach, is here tonight. And also one of our newest members in the New York City Metro Planning Committee, Susan Moser, an attorney at law, getting her uh, starting her job in just a few weeks. We're very excited for her. Congratulations on passing the bar and all that crazy stuff wow. you got to go through to get to where you're at. Smart person in the house. Very She's smart. Awesome. Yes, very smart. And I've another, been chasing her during the half marathon. Another Jewish lawyer, just what we need. This room is so crowded that it's freezing outside, but we have to have the A.C. on. That's how tightly packed the bodies are. Not just are. because Brad brings the heat. We have two A.C.s on. Two A.C.s. There are two air conditioners bl- blasting in this room tonight. We all be rubbing Blood up against each other. Blood makes me sweat. Fantastic. And Mateo, he's a handsome guy, too. What? <laughs> Mateo, he's handsome. This is radio. No one knows what the hell you're talking about. Okay, forget it. Mateo's not handsome. Okay, fantastic. So we are uh, stoked, totally stoked, to have this entire show Dedicated to First Descent. I have a question. Oh, God. Who in this room had the best marathon time yesterday? Yeah, who won? Mateo? Holy, wait, was someone dangling a donut at the finish line or something? Oh, my goodness. What was your time? And for the record, he's not referring to me in Spanish. He's working with another guy in the room named Matt. 3.17? Okay. Three days and 17 hours? (laughs) Now, that that beats your time, Jack. (laughs) 3.17. Wait, hold on. You know what? I'm going to embarrass myself, but not really because I don't give a shit. He finished 26.2 miles in 3 hours and 17 minutes, and I finished 13.1 miles in 2 hours and 53 minutes. He only beat me by, like, 25 minutes. But he ran twice as far as I did. I think your math is incorrect. I finished the half marathon in 2.53, and he finished the full marathon in in 3.17. Yes. Someone get Jack a donut. Yeah. Or a plushie. I don't know. One or the other. All right. Plushie. So we've got some cool stuff to talk about we before do. we start the news and we get to Brian and our spotlight tonight. Um, I would say the largest, biggest, insanest news of the evening is that the uh, the Wall Street Journal of all American fantastic newspapers has published an, a groundbreaking, game-changing article about the young adult cancer movement. And this is a huge deal for us. 
and we're very, very excited about it. Speaking of pride, as you mentioned Speaking earlier. Speaking of pride. Yes. Yes. We are feeling uh, full of pride tonight. Terrific article uh, by Melinda Beck at the Wall Street Journal. Yes. Really covers all of the issues that our community faces so well. Everything from infertility to the psychosocial issues to survival rates, uh, Terrific people quoted in the uh, piece, including Brad Ludden, who's here with us tonight. Yes. And our own uh, chairman of the board, Leonard Sender, I2Y, in the story as well. Uh, Wonderful piece. We've been tweeting and Facebooking it, and I would say to the folks out there, we'd love it for you to read it because it's such great information in there. And we'd love it if you liked it, if you tweeted it, if you made it the most emailed on the (laughs) Wall Street Journal website and all that stuff that gets folks' attention out there, um, which is why we're all doing what we're doing to get folks to pay attention to this really important issue. So social media, the heck out of it. Thumbs up, yeah, all we, around. Yeah, we rarely beg a... people to share. I know. Crap. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, we all know I don't have that many friends, but according to Facebook, I have a lot. And so far, 13, 13 of my Facebook friends have shared it within the last half hour. We're actually going to put Jack out with a sandwich board in the street <laughs> with, with the link to the story. Sounds good. Yeah. Then give, make sure I have a sandwich along with the sandwich board. I'll be fine. <laughs> I was going to say people would hand you a sandwich for being out there with the sandwich board. Then let's do it. you got to get Kenny's Halloween costume. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, so that's big news. Uh, I posted Wait. something on Facebook today which I found very interesting. Apparently breasts are the future of humanity. And uh, in case anyone missed that, I, I don't that think anybody's there. missed that. I don't that. think I would ever yeah. disagree with so you on that. My status update was, so is it any surprise that breasts hold the key to our future in other news, I'm a man, and I approve this message. <laughs> and the story pretty much discussed the, uh, here, it was in uh, Wired magazine, so you know it's credible, how the, um, that, uh, where is it? Um, I'm trying to figure out what this Something about, uh, I'm not even reading this correctly. But it's, I'm the idiot in the room. Yeah, but I'm the idiot in the room. Is it, it's just, just breasts, and then everything, it's, then it's lights out. Breasts like are frozen. My mind goes yeah. blank when I see breasts in the yeah, title of an article, too. Oh, here I think is. I have to keep this show moving with it's, two it's, guys. And to introduce stem cell medicine yeah. to the mass market through breast enhancement. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Silence Done. in the room. Done. Yes. No. I should cue the crickets. Actually, Mateo went out to get some stem cells. Okay. Fantastic. <laughs> Mateo has a great mohawk. That is we'll a great mohawk. we to provide the visuals here. Yeah, it was the yeah. uh, aerodynamics of his yeah. th- three-hour and 17-minute run. But I would say the second biggest news of this week is that the uh, a huge contingency of I2Y folk, all with testicles, unfortunately not representing the female components of our organization, descended upon Austin, Texas, to attend the fifth annual meeting of the Livestrong Young Adult Alliance, where we won the 2005 Lifetime Achievement Award for not killing Jack Buffard. Wait, so if we won an award, that means First Ascent lost lost an award, I don't think they applied for the award. Well, that's okay, then. Someone get Jack out of here. I'd like to backtrack for a second. I'm going to come back to this Wall Street Journal article. Why? But because I wasn't it, finished with my sort of thought. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, but she took the but, heat off of me, so it's okay. But the only reason why I want to do this is because the art for the story is now up for the Wall Street Journal. Everybody will see this in the hard copy in the paper tomorrow. But the two big pieces of art are First Ascent and a Stupid Cancer T-shirt. Come on! Come on! Oh, it's, on, oh, it's finally on the... Yep. Oh, who's Neil Taylor? left behind after brain tumor surgery, navigates the Colorado River on a trip with first descent. Very, very nice. Very nice. And then below that, you scroll down, and there is stupidcancer.com T-shirt. 
Woo-hoo! Available to the Wait, hold on. So how do we get second like... billing on these pictures? <laughs> you can't beat a kayaker. I don't know. I think we're uh, no, we're yeah. all, we're all good. Fantastic. That's awesome. Well, here we all are. WSJ. Very nice. First Descent, Stupid Cancer. And they list a whole bunch of room. other great organizations, they do. too. They, all right, we're right under Livestrong and above Planet Cancer. I can live with that. And Cancer and Careers is in there, yes. as is Immerman Angels. Yes. And uh, Fertile Hope, the Almond Fund, Tamika and Friends, all of our all of our OMG Cancer Summit All the important staff, buddies. everybody. You have to check it out. And we're also all part of the Livestrong Alliance, which is what you were talking about before Lisa yeah, so sort of rudely interrupted so you. But it really. wasn't rude. I was celebrating all of us in the room here. It was unrude. That's what I Thank said. Thank you. <laughs> so apparently there is something called the Progress Review Group, which is an oversight committee that overlooks the progress and review of a group. And that particular group is the Livestrong Young Adult Alliance, whose charter is to figure out how we can improve the quality of life, survival rates, best practices, and standards of care and clinical trials and research for young adults. We won an award for game-changing the young adult cancer community over the past five years since the Progress Review Group started. So that gets... Go us. <laughs> One of these. I very rarely give this to myself and to my team, but I'd like to thank everyone who supported I2I over the last five years, even though we've only been around for three and a half. Well, just look at how much the radio show has grown in the last year. Yes. Yes, it has. We're almost, we, yeah. almost at 400,000 listens. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. Uh, very incredible. Pretty incredible. That's awesome. So thank you to Most the, of which are all in the room right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Brad has listened to every show 400,000 times. Two ACs. So, packing them in. So special thank you to Kelly Craddock, uh, Brock Yeso, Julie Larson, and the folks at the Livestrong Young Alliance for appreciating, recognizing our organization. It, we're, we're humbled and thrilled and very proud to uh, embody what you feel are game-changing people. Big thank you to them. Big and thank you once to them. again, couldn't do it without the listeners and the guests. It's all about the listeners and the guests on the show that we have or just blow us away week after week. So yes. it's just amazing. All right, so let's get to our um did I just burp into the microphone? I'm sorry. Not that I heard. Okay, good. We just lost 100,000 listeners. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we got GasX as a client now. So. <laughs> Sponsor. All right. Well, I'm going to turn it over to Lisa. We're going to introduce our uh, Survivor Spotlight tonight. We're very excited. The Beamer, a.k.a. Brian Wickman. He's a two-time survivor of chondrosarcoma and papillary carcinoma. He's a First Descent alum and a First Descent board member, an amputee, an aspiring, kick-ass amputee, a grad student at Columbia University in social work and divinity, an all-around stud, an all-around overachiever. We're so thrilled to welcome the Beamer, BMW, Brian Wickman. Beamer, thanks for having me. Give it up for Beamer! Okay. This could be the first time that the in-studio crowd outlouded the actual sound cue. <laughs> so you are an Onco, uh, an Onco rock star. Let's uh, tell us your story. Hit us, hit us right off the bat here with you, your first diagnosis. Um, well, first of all, I'm thrilled to be here tonight. Um, I was first diagnosed in 2006. I went into my doctor after um, after a ski trip with my family, actually, and I had a swollen ankle. It didn't go down for a bit and told my doctor that I wanted an MRI because it, it just wasn't right, and they misdiagnosed it as a ganglion cyst, which is pretty common and not a problem. So they took that out, and the pathology came back as a an extraskeletal myxoid chondrosarcoma. Um, I know it's a long one. And 
And in checking for metastases, they found the cancer of my thyroid as well. So I had those both removed in, uh, I had my leg amputated in June of 2006, and then my thyroid was taken out July of 2006. Okay, so they consider that not as two separate cancers, but they were, they were in fact, checking for metastases. As they you were, said. but yeah. it was two primary, two two pro- primary cancers. I, I yeah. see, two primary, right. Wow. Luckily, because yeah. if it were a metastasis, it would have been, I yeah. wouldn't be here now. Yeah. yeah. And so the amputation came how far after that? It came four weeks after diagnosis. Four weeks, wow. Yeah, yeah so it was pretty quick. Well, i got to say, your head looks great. <laughs> Oh, wait, no, they amputated the right. Your leg? Sorry. Yeah, it was my left leg below okay. the knee. Okay. And so this was, I'm sorry, tell us again, this was how long ago? This was 2006, so 2006. just over four years. Okay. And tell us about what you went through as a young adult, kind of wrapping your brain around. I mean, you, you were dealing with an, an awful lot, obviously, yeah. at that time, and how you kind of psychologically wrapped your, your head around all of that. Um, yeah, you know, I actually don't even know how... I wrapped my brain around it. I think I, you know, immediately after the diagnosis, my treatment was so fast and furious that I was just focused on, like, day-to-day doctor appointments and doing what they told me or challenging what they told me and finding the treatment that was right for me, that by the time I could start sort of thinking about it and processing it was not until probably mm, seven or eight months later. Um, I found a young adult support group up at Sloan Kettering, which was really helpful. And then um, actually at that support group, there was a there was a flyer for first descents on the table that I took a look at. And I was, I'm 6'4", and after my treatment, I was down to 126 pounds. Wow. So really, really skinny, really weak, and uh, couldn't walk. And I was like, well, this will give me something to shoot for, you know, something to try over the summer and, uh, and aim for that. So... That was sort of the healing process for me, was finding a young adult support group, which I didn't, I actually, I was pretty resistant to going to that. And Why, to why that. would that be? I'm always curious to find out during that moment of triage, when you're like, what the hell's going on, and you're rushed through. It's great research for me to understand what goes through the minds of certain people based on their personality. Because yeah. we find people that are diagnosed, and that day they sign up with us, and they're, in, they're, they're here on that Monday yeah. for the show. And then there are people that just don't want to deal with it for like five years, and they're like, wow, okay, I think I'm sort of kind of okay now, and now I can give back. Yeah, it's a good question. I think it's not that I was actively resistant to it. I just didn't think I needed it. Right. I have a really amazing support network of friends and family, and I figured I'd talk through what I needed to talk through with them, some of whom are cancer survivors themselves. So I didn't see what I was going to get out of it, and I was blown away. Like after the first night even – I was like, okay, yeah, I re- actually, I really need this. And and I'm still, the folks that I was in that support group with, we still get together every couple months. And, and w- which hospital was this? Sloan Kettering. Okay, here in the city. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yep. Did you have the uh, prosthesis immediately? For your- I didn't. So after an amputation, they have to wait a couple months before they can fit it. And I had an allergic reaction to my chemo. So I was actually in the ICU for a couple months. Um, and lost so much weight that they had to sort of readjust everything. So it was really about six months before I was able to start working with the prosthesis, and it wasn't until... So the amputation was in June of 2006, and I don't think I walked without crutches until, like, March or April of 2007. Was it covered by insurance? 
Um, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> it was the insurance, no, get angry, get angry. The insurance <laughs> policy I had at the time covered one prosthesis per limb per lifetime, no repairs, no replacement. Wow. And the process of fitting someone for a prosthesis, basically because of the swelling post-amputation, they fit you with a temporary prosthesis, um, sort of a temporary, uh, a temporary fit where it attaches from the metal to your body. And then the assumption is that once the swelling goes down in three to five months, they, they do a more permanent one. So when I, when I went in to get fitted for the permanent one, my insurance came back and said, nope, you already got your one per limb per lifetime in the temporary one. So that took that another... That is fantastic. And that was, never, sucks, that was never reconciled. That's the way it stood? Yeah, so I fought it, and my prosthetist and my doctor fought it on my behalf, and they eventually they caved. They did. Okay. That's yeah. what happened with Adele Ramos, the, the, right. the, the uh, Latina survivor in our documentary film. Yeah. She had uh, osteosarcoma at the age of six, and then she had her prosthesis, and she outgrew it, and the insurance company said no. She's like, I'm sorry for growing up. Yeah. <laughs> it sucks. It's fairly, yeah. it's fairly common. Right. And it's a rider that no one reads because who thinks that they're going to lose a limb? Yeah. No one. What happened when you had the allergic reaction to the chemo? How did they treat you for that? So it was, um, it was it's called Stevens-Johnson syndrome, which is, again, it's a really rare um, condition that uh, they don't really know what causes it, and they didn't actually diagnose it until after, after it was finished. So I, uh, how it... Um, appeared in me was I basically my skin burned off both on the outside and sort of my whole digestive tract burned off from the inside and um, you don't need that anyway yeah overrated that's just just overrated extra stuff that's like the the, that's like a gallstone dude (laughs) no digestive tract that must have felt pleasant it was I was on a lot of a lot of pain extremely painful yeah so were they uh did you did you have to then take a different course of treatment, or what happened after that? Um, yeah, so I basically said no more chemo for me. Um, it was preventive chemo. Chondrosarcoma is actually not responsive to chemo or radiation, so the amputation was really the bulk of my treatment. And but because I had surgery prior to the diagnosis, because I misdiagnosed it and took out what they thought was the ganglion cyst, my oncologist felt it. That, that it might be possible that that first surgery dislodged some cells. So he wanted to try preventive chemo. So I made it through two rounds and was in the ICU for two months. Oh, boy. So I said, no more of that. If something, you know, if it recurs, then I'll consider that. But at the moment, I'm HIV positive as well. So they think it may have been a an interaction between my HIV meds and uh, chemo, but they, they don't know. Right, and what yeah. about for the uh, for the thyroid? So the thyroid, this is another potential cause. There's something called thyroid storm, which mm-hmm. can happen with. Um, again, it's really rare, and there's not. Did really they detect a that with Doppler. <laughs> <laughs> I just sit here and make jokes. <laughs> yeah, but unlike me, your jokes suck. <laughs> now, now. No comment. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So the thyroid, actually, I take synthetic thyroid hormone which takes a long time to, um, to adjust. So I was really, really tired, for, which doesn't help with, with trying to learn to walk again when you have no energy and a lot of nausea. Yeah. But, yeah. Boy, so you're even more of a rock star than I thought. No, nah, not so much. <laughs> and you ran the marathon. 
Hell no. His sister did. Okay. Annie went back. That's right. I my place. your sister did, yeah. Okay. Maybe next year. You could lie to me. Maybe next year. You could totally. Jack you do the half marathon with us? Jack will carry Maybe. you. I'll bet you $1,000 you beat my time. <laughs> but let's pick up when you, so you find the flyer for First Descent at Sloan. Yeah. And uh, take it from there. Um, so I convinced uh, a couple other of the young adults who are in my support group to apply as well. I applied and uh, I got accepted for that summer, and I, um, yeah, I was super stoked to go. I hadn't walked really without without my cane. I was walking with a cane at that point, and I um, I made an executive decision to leave the cane at home, and that was really the first time I walked without a cane. I went to the airport, and um, yeah, arrived in Colorado and uh, met a bunch of really crazy, crazy <laughs> people. Um, it was great. Uh, again, it was, it was similar to my experience of, of finding that young adult support group, um, just getting to be with a bunch of other young adult survivors who had their own tale to, to tell and who'd been on a journey that was similar enough that I didn't have to tell them every detail, but yeah. we could sort of bond over some of the shared experience. So tell us more. We want more. I want more anecdotes from the kayaking. From spill some of the dirt. So some of the dirt. Um, well, first of all, what Beamer. is your um? Well, your your first is his nickname is Beamer. Yeah, it's Beamer. Because your initials are BMW. You're correct. Okay. Yeah. Wow. How long did it take you to figure that one out? Shut up, Jack. <laughs> yeah. So um, Brad wasn't at my first camp, but um, there were some other amazing amazing counselors there. I've never, I'd never kayaked before, so it was, but I figured, you know, kayaking, you don't really need legs, so maybe it'll be a little bit more even turf. Um, you don't need brains either, because Jack did it. <laughs> I've done it twice. <laughs> Brad's done it all his life. You need abs to do Wait, it. Wait, hold on a second. Wait, did Brad just get compared to me? <laughs> oh, dear God. I think that has to get one of these. Only because. And of where that. the hell was that sound bite when you made your joke before? I don't fuck with myself. <laughs> I just fuck with you. Well, the chat room didn't appreciate your joke either. That's okay. Anyway, I don't need anybody. Mr. Rickman, back to you. <laughs> where was I? Something I about me being you, smarter you than Brad. You didn't think you needed legs. No, I didn't need legs. Actually, just one. Um, and yeah, they helped me. They helped me fit out a kayak so that it would be comfortable for me. My my stump was pretty sore still at that point, so we padded padded the kayak so that it wouldn't bang around too much on the river, and um, yeah, I got out there, and it was, for me, it was the first time since my treatment that I felt, um, that I felt alive, that I felt like myself, and like I could really enjoy, it, it was so much work for me. To learn, you know, learning to walk again, learning, you know, having to think about every step is, it's exhausting. It's really, really exhausting. So being somewhere where I didn't have to think, I didn't have to think as much about kayaking as I did about walking. Yeah. And it was really, it was, it was a relief and it was exhilarating. It that's, was amazing. That's fantastic. Yeah. And now you're at Columbia University, you're a grad student in social work and divinity. Yeah. Tell us about that. Um, so I'm I'm hoping to go into grief counseling, and thought that that would be a good combination 
to to do that. Hopefully there'll be an economy and a job by the time I get finished with my program. So you're not so the divinity angle of it. We we won't yeah. see you kind of up at a pulpit or anything like that. Is that or? No, probably doing more like hospital chaplaincy right. or hospice work. Yeah. That's great. I'm 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 awesome. I'm floored. I've already had tears, <laughs>, laughs. These Beamer are the people is, uh, of first descent. This is yeah. This is the young adult movement. This is who we are, and it's good stuff. And unfortunately, we have to take everyone down a notch and let Jack do the news. Yeah, but real quick, I, I keep say, thinking, I'm sorry, BMW, and then I keep thinking PT Loser. Wow, what a seg- segue that was. Oh, that gets its own thing. Right. That gets its own. Don't! Hey, now. All right, Lisa loses for the night. I feel vindicated. So what I was going to say was Brian has amassed quite a fan club in the chat room. Sweet. Everybody wants to meet him. And I said you were at OMG, and everyone's like, I didn't get to meet him. So you better be at OMG in 2011. I promise. I will be. OMG, April 16, 17 in New York City. Registration goes live February 1st at noon, unless that's the Saturday or Sunday. February 1st? Yeah. I don't know. Anyone? Calendars? Whatever. I don't care. Let's get to the news, and then I have other questions to ask Brian, and we'll bring out the... It's a Tuesday. All right, done. Tuesday, February 1st at Thank you, Susan. All right, well, now it is time for the news. Hello, I'm Kent Brockman, and this is Eye on Cancer. Just the facts, ma'am. All righty, during this part of the Stupid Cancer Show, we listen to Jack Buffard's stammer through a series of special announcements to let our listeners know about a whole bunch of stuff we don't want you not knowing about. Free stuff, like conferences, happy hours, retreats, scholarships, support groups, kayaking trips, concerts, and more. If you have something coming up that you'd like us to spread the word about during this part of the show, please send an email to Jack Buffard. His email is jack at i2y.com. That's jack at i2y.com. All right, bro. All you. Thanks, Matthew. All right, first up, events.i2y.com. Events.i2y.com is your one-stop shop for all stupid cancer events happening nationwide. Stay in the loop because something could be happening in your neck of the woods, and we don't want you missing out on it, especially if I'm not going to be there. We have a lot of great events coming up. We have our stupid cancer boot camp in Philly this coming Saturday. We already got like 50-something registrations. and Yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah, so Tamika Felder is going to be there. Tamika! Aaron L. Louise, Kenny Kane, Matthew Zachary, Julie Larson, myself, we're all going to be there. So head on over to events.i2y.com. Get the scoop on everything that's going on, including the First Ascent calendar. All right, folks, we just talked about Team First Ascent doing the marathon. Now we're going to talk about Team Stupid Kids doing the half marathon. I guess that makes us half the men that you are. Team Stupid Cancer, the nation's first running team exclusively supporting young adults. Is completely booked. We have 25 runners, and now we want your money. Head it over to TeamStupidCancer.com. Make a pledge toward your favorite runner, <coughs> me, and support the I'm Too Young for This Cancer Foundation. All right, as we just teased, the buzz is building around the fourth annual International OMG Cancer Summit for Young Adults being held April 16th and 17th here in New York City. As Matthew just said, registration will begin Tuesday, February 1st. And we have a lot of exciting information and stuff planned for that, so stay in the loop through uh, o- with the OM- OMGsummit.org. OMG2011.org. OMG2011.org. And finally, folks, being that I lack both the time and the intelligence to share with you the great stuff we have going on for young adults, I've created the Booth News blog. 
Everyone needs to check out boofnews.i2y.com. That's B-O-O-F.i2y.com. For the official list of all stupid cancer news resources, including surveys, exercise program, writing workshops, peer services, kayaking trips, and fertility resources. And Matthew Kenny and I had the pleasure of meeting someone from True North Treks down in Austin the other day. So I'm going to be adding them to the Boof News blog. And like First Ascent, they offer uh, like hiking trips and nature excursions in the Pacific Northwest. And you can check out their website at truenorthtreks.org. And that, my friends, is your Stupid Cancer News. Very nice. Very nice. All right, well, now it is time to introduce our special guests for the evening. And uh, I guess this will be a good one. All righty. Joining us, Lisa Goodman-Goldstein started off as a volunteer at First Descent in 2008, five days at camp that changed her life forever. She volunteered for two years before becoming a member of the staff. Lisa runs the Team FD, Marathon Team, a fundraising platform that pushes people to accept a challenge and raise money for First Descent at the same time. She's on their board of directors, I believe, and Mr. Brad Ludden, my first guest who never sent me his bio, so I'm making something up. And this is the third time you've been on the show and you still haven't sent me a bio. Brad Ludden was raised by wolves and still lives and plays in the northern Rocky Mountains, commonly known as one of the best professional kayakers in the world. He's traveled to over 40 countries as like his first sponsored kayak athlete, and he can be seen gracing the cover of magazines such as Outside, Men's Health, Men's Journal, and Cosmopolitan's Bachelor of the Year 2009. No wonder why it's so damn high in here. Please welcome Lisa Goodman, Goldstein, and Brad Ludden. Lisa, you with us? I'm here. There's the crowd. All righty, the crowd finally catches up with the with the trends of the evening. My first they only, question. They only know me as stepmom. 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 And Daryl. Stepmom or and just stepmom? Daryl. Daryl, yeah. With an I. Exactly. <laughs> My first question is, how do you guys get around the legal and medical liabilities of what you do? We don't. Okay. I'm just kidding. Next question. Jack, do, Jack does it for us. Easy. They don't lose any kayakers. <laughs> if you don't kill people, there's no, you, don't, you don't have anything to worry about. So, uh, good question. We actually, our programming model is that we hire, uh, and this is actually more of a Wang answer, our director of programming, Whitney Lang Wang, uh, could tell you better than I could, but uh, we partner with outfitting companies, adventure companies, and Basically, under their insurance, we operate the adventure components of our program. We also have insurance ourselves, obviously, and then name each other additionally insured. Medically, the primary care physician is the one who actually approves the participant's attendance at our program. We do look at every application that comes in and make sure that on our side we think it's still a safe opportunity. But once we do that, we go back to them and say, you know, this looks good to us, but you're going to need to go to your PCP and ask them for for permission, essentially. So people have to sign a waiver, their doctor has to sign off oh, on we, it? Oh, all sorts of waivers. Okay. Yes, but ultimately their PCP is the one who says, you can do this. Got um, it, got it, got we're, it. Got we're looking into several other uh, medical uh, liability insurance opportunities, but won't have those firmed up until end of this year. So, Lisa, let me turn to you for a second. 
you're on the board of First Ascent now. It's almost like you, you climbed the corporate ladder to lead this organization. How did you first find out about them to even become a volunteer? Um, well, first of all, let me correct you and tell you that I am not on the board. My husband is on the board. All right. So well, you, you a- can get off the show now. <laughs> Her husband's the chair of the board. Oh, there you go. Don't ever prove us wrong on the show again. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Um, so I got involved through Alan Goldberg, who was uh, First Ascent's executive director a few years ago, who has since lost his battle with cancer. And he had talked to my husband a lot about First Ascent. Helped, he and my husband actually started the first uh, team First Ascent, doing the Leadville 100 when Alan's cancer came back for a second time at age 39. And I was supposed to go to camp with Alan and volunteer, and unfortunately he lost his battle three weeks before, and I chose to still go to camp, which was super nerve-wracking, but turned out to be one of the best decisions of my life. And... Were you married when you met Brad? Yes. I'm so sorry. As she was when she met me. <laughs> she, she has three daughters. I know, I know, I know. Lisa and I shared an entire flight from uh, Atlanta, Atlanta to, Austin. to Austin on the way to the Alliance meeting. And uh, I know a lot about you now that I didn't feel comfortable knowing. <laughs> she told you about her crush on me? <laughs> Not you, Jack, sorry. Well, speaking of being married or not married, uh, that's our segue, I guess, into the Bachelorette and the work that you're doing with Ryan Souter. You should tell us all about who I know, which is he was actually supposed to be on the show tonight, couldn't make it, unfortunately, was in town to run the marathon. You guys all ran the marathon. Tell us about what you're doing with Ryan. Uh, well, Ryan and Trista have been friends of mine for a while since actually right after they finished the show. They uh, they live in Vail, and that's where I've lived for years. And... Um, I was actually filming in Morocco with a Warren Miller film crew. One of the cameramen on that film crew was the guy who convinced Ryan to do the show. And so the whole time we were in Morocco, this guy was jumping online to look at this dating reality show site. And at that time, no one really knew about the show. And I was like, dude, what are you doing? (laughs) And he was married. And the whole thing was so weird. And he explained it to me. And so I went back and met Ryan through that and and just became really good friends. Well, this year, Ryan approached me and just said, last year he raced uh, actually the New York City Marathon for Ethan Sons. Uh, organization grassroots soccer and uh, really enjoyed it came to me longtime friend and just said I want to do more of that and I said well that's great because here's what I have in mind and uh, it was actually more his idea to do the 10 events he did 10 really grueling events um, in celebration of our 10th year anniversary this year and so uh, the final of which was the New York City Marathon he did an Ironman in there the Leadville 100 the Ultimate Mountain Challenge of the Mountain Games, really legitimate events. Each one would be an accomplishment if you trained a year for it. So he did that. His goal is to raise 100000 I believe he's right around 90 right now, so we're trying to push him over the edge by the end of the year. So basically the, the top ten least likely things I will ever do in my life yeah. is it. what he accomplished. Do you guys ever do, like, wing-eating contests that maybe we could participate yeah. in? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm not Absolutely. sure anybody's going to give us hundred grand to watch you eat wings. <laughs> Why not? Guy Fieri might. And uh, so anyway, Trista, she um, she really just regulates everything. She Ryan and I come up with all these ideas, and she tells us why we can't do them. <laughs> Is that right? She, she's the mother of the children, so to speak. So she she keeps an eye on it. Very but, nice. Uh, really supportive couple. They've been amazing, really helpful, and and even beyond just first defense, the media they've garnered uh, really you know become a voice for young adult cancer almost accidentally. But it's been a good spotlight. Um, from CNN a couple of times to the LA Times, USA Today, CBS Morning Show, it goes on and on. So, 
Because he and Ethan basically crossed the finish line together. So that no, right? I, I was with Ethan. Oh, you were, you were with Ryan's Ethan. Ryan's okay. much faster than us. Is that right? <laughs> so we were at the start with Ryan, I'm proud to say. Right. And then I didn't see him, literally didn't see him again. And uh, Ethan and I ran together, which was also a really inspiring thing and cool thing for, for me. Uh, Ethan's a, a good friend of mine as well. And uh, his organization, obviously different than Young Adult Cancer, but still a worthy cause. And uh, he, as we all know, young adult survivor. Yep. We ran past uh, ten months ago. He had a stem stem cell transplant, so that's a pretty big a- accomplishment in its own. And we ran past Memorial Sloan Kettering, and he broke down in tears. And I was oh. like, I was losing it. Wow. Really? Wow! It goes yeah. up York Avenue. Yeah, sure. I I just ran where I used the people to, I used ran. I to live man. on York Avenue. I didn't it look was, at yeah. signs. Okay. It would go right past my apartment. Or on First Avenue, I think it's close by there. Okay. I think it goes up past uh, up First Avenue. Wow. Well, Ryan just has a lot longer legs. That's the only reason why he's faster because he's a that's, tall he's a tall guy. Uh, <laughs> that's what I'd like to tell myself. Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> and he's in much better shape. And he trains yeah. for these types. So <laughs> very nice. So Brad. Oh yeah. So so, so, so I understand that people were shouting a, a, a repetitive question at you during the race. Yeah. Well, mistake, Ethan, mistaken identity. Ethan and I were running along, and and um, there's a woman there who's coordinating live TV interviews on course, and so she coordinated one with us, and the motorcycle pulls up, and, you know, it's a police escort, and this guy jumps out with a camera, and he's running with a microphone, and um, immediately we had people nonstop running up, are you the minor? Are you the minor? That's all they wanted to know. <laughs> and I was like, well, do I look like the minor? No. That's Does awful. he look like the minor? <laughs> but, no. But the thing is, like, this minor, being from Chile... Wouldn't he not know the to, like what they're asking? Like, are you the minor? It's like, don't they assign the minor? Or like, <laughs> I get it. Yeah. So anyway, that was the highlight of our marathon. Well, finishing was actually. You do look highlight. Chilean though. Thanks. You look chillaxing too, but you. Uh. <laughs> no. All right, tonight goes down as the most. We're setting Guinness records tonight. The most people in the studio and the most bad jokes, at the same time. Hey, I'm allowed one. Anyway, Lisa. Yes. Oh, I forgot about her. A little. <laughs> on. That's right. Lisa's still on the call. Lisa, I was I was told that uh, today happens to be a uh, a very special day. It is. It is my forty third birthday. Your fifty third birthday. Two. Congratulations. We're gonna date ourselves. This is when Michael Jackson was on The Simpsons. Lisa, it's your birthday. God bless you this day. You gave me the gift of a little sister, and I'm proud of you today. Lisa, it's your birthday. Happy birthday, Lisa. Lisa, it's your birthday. Happy birthday, Lisa. That is a Simpsons classic. That's great. Fantastic. Happy birthday, Lisa. Happy birthday. Thank you. You don't look a day over 44. <laughs> You were horrible. You not, you I sat next to this gorgeous woman on the plane for two hours. This woman does not look a day over 30. Uh, you're very it's the truth. Good times. Yeah. <laughs> Good times. I just earned brownie points. I think we let's talk about with, with both of you guys, uh, fundraising also coming off of this, Ryan. The challenges for you for fundraising, where you get your money, how you get your money, and all that good stuff that everybody at a uh, 501c3 faces. Yeah. Um, well, Jack and I put on... Masks of former presidents and Rob Banks. We also <laughs> right. surf and skydive. Um, it's it's not easy as as we can all relate in this room. Um, we've been really lucky and just had a lot of generosity come our way unexpectedly. Uh, the support of our alum 
guys like Beamer, everyone in this room who raised money during the New York Marathon, a lot of, uh, until recently, until we actually got our act together, um, I, which is happening, we haven't done that yet, but we're working on that, um, the, the, the majority of our donations were less than $100, and we've been able to raise over a million dollars that way. Wow. Um, so it's just, it's, it's a lot of people giving a little, and that's been incredible. And so now we've um, gotten big enough, I think, to where we've, we've, we've sort of had the attention of people who can make much larger donations. We're getting more consistent grants, uh, things like that. We're actually working with Dr. Brad Zebrak to do a study on our programs to prove that what we're doing is working uh, so that we can print that up and show people uh, who don't believe us. And so, um, Why would someone not believe you? Uh, you know, some people just need more concrete evidence okay you know so you, shining smiling faces of thrilled people aren't yeah testimonial right, right. it just doesn't do doesn't it for something. i don't get it but it does so, it does work you know like psychosocially it's, it's awesome as far as recovering from cancer patient and transitioning into cancer survivor the only thing i would recommend for you guys is you got to warm up the water and soften the rock i know we're working on that thank you yeah jack, yeah. jack needs like the nerf luge <laughs> Because well, when I go kayaking, my head keeps bouncing along the bottom of the river, and if the rocks were softer, it'd be a lot easier. <laughs> we're uh, we're actually yeah, we're gonna create the hot tub camp for Jeff. Nice, so, yeah. I it, might go to that one. It gets it gets hot. The we also do um uh, one of our bigger fundraiser fundraising uh, areas that we've been really successful with. Actually, thank you to Angela Rossi who's in the in the house tonight. Angela's here. Yeah, she look at that. Oh hey. Uh oh. And uh, we do events. Cordon your liquor. She's in the bleachers. Oh, shit. We, we do events, and we've been really successful. The, the fun thing for us, thanks again to Angela, with our events is that we, uh, we do really fun events, things we'd like. We basically just throw huge parties, and it turns into – so we had this year – every year we have the First Descent Ball, which has turned into a really formal party that gets very informal by the end of the evening, soon after the camper shot happens at some point. And uh, then this year we were uh, the proud beneficiary of the 80s ski party. So if you can imagine 700 people wearing tight neon well, outfits. Well, that sounds like a hot that tub was actually right one there. Of the, oh, hot tub time machine. One of the it was best, the best looking and scariest Facebook photo albums I've ever seen. Unbelievable, yeah. The 80s I, ski party. I cringe every time I look. I, every, someone from that party tags me in a photo. I'm like, oh, no. So what's the biggest challenge? Gotta, and, and we want that. Yeah, we want Lisa to chime in on this, too, um, on the line here. But what's the biggest challenge? to getting money corporately. Is it exactly what you said to prove that what you do is effective? Is it just the young adult community in general? Um, what, what's the well, biggest challenge that you face? We've been really lucky again in that regard. We went out this year uh, for the first time and chased corporate partners. And we, uh, I, I had a lot of those relationships from being an athlete, and it was pretty easy. You know, we, we were able to call the right people, and I've known them for 20 years. Um, and I think with, with corporate partners, what we've seen is just having – they they have so much trouble connecting with people authentically. And the stories that we can all tell through our organizations are really authentic. Any one of um you know, the the people that come into our our organizations can go out and tell a story that no one else can. And so for them that material is gold. And so we can provide it and uh if you can just show them that, then it's really easy to, to get them on board and like I said, this is our first year trying and um, a, a large part of our budget next year will come from our partners. And Lisa, where would you like to see this organization grow? I mean, are you guys reaching out more internationally? I mean, where where would you ideally like to be, you know, five years from now? Um, five years from now, we have to have camps, you know, more, obviously more camps. 
our big goal is to have a thousand campers. This is Brad's dream, which we're all just making happen. A thousand campers by 2015 and 2,000 campers by 2020. And we love our camps to also go into, you know, maybe bring them into Canada. We have a lot of Canadian campers, and we'd love to have a camp, up, a couple camps up there as well. Yeah, we're even looking at that as soon as next year, which, as we all know, the the, the only thing that they don't struggle with as much as we do is probably insurance, but everything else they're arguably more underserved up there even. And right. So just trying to get up Plus into that Canada. Market. Who doesn't love Canadians? Is and this something we can blame something on Canada? Their chocolate's better. They speak French. I think the hey. South Park guys don't like Canada. Yeah, more alcohol in the beer. Isn't it they like, love yeah, oxygen hockey. in the air? Is it different or something? Yeah. So that that's yeah. In a nutshell, we the the, the expansion opportunities are endless. We've really we've looked at uh, even beyond Canada. Where else can we be going? Um, we've added uh, this coming year a surfing program, uh, mountaineering. So doing some some actual ice and snow, uh, which is really exciting for us. Getting up into the Northwest with that Hood, Rainier, those areas, and also adding new levels of programming. So as you uh, grow within First Descent, there are more opportunities. Uh, to take on bigger and bigger challenges each year. So if you find that you like uh, mountaineering, there's a chance you'll be climbing Kilimanjaro in a few years. And if you like, yeah, if you like kayaking, doing multi-day class three and four river trips, surfing in you know Indonesia, whatever it is. So we're getting there. See, here in New York City, we think just battling our way on the sidewalk is the equivalent to doing that's, a lot of those things you, you do out west. You guys got to do, like, like FD, Hudson River, East that, River. Yeah, yeah, that, <laughs> can you do the, the urban version of that? That's way too Where well, you need, like, five tetanus shots before you can even get in your kayak. <laughs> First Descent, East New York. Yeah. See, now, Brad, I've been trying to get Matt to go to First Descent for a few years now, and he said that the only way he can go is if he has a kayak that has Wi-Fi. Is that something, <laughs> is that, something that, yeah, that we need, can get? Yeah, I need accommodations. I'm sure we could arrange that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You. You. Yeah. You need to be able to be connected. I get that. We'll see. That, okay. Give us a year. Next year. Okay. No problem. I can bring my my brain GSM implant with me. <laughs> you would just spontaneously combust. I cannot picture you not with the opposable <clears throat> thumbs not going. No. Jack came close this year, didn't you? I actually did well. Like especially being with uh, with Mateo here in Vail. It's like I didn't I didn't need to look at my phone. Like I it was like the, for the first time in the last year and a half where I was just like I don't care if I'm getting a text message, I don't care if I have a voicemail. And I did check my voicemail one night and it was someone that needed something or whatever and it was just like that whole like back in the real world, you know, kind of kind of call where it's like, you know, I'm calling you from my office and I need this that and the other thing from you. I was like, "Oh my god, like I'm staring at a double rainbow." You know, I'm, I'm hanging out. <laughs> double rainbow. I forgot about the double rainbow. And you know, it's it's it, it really is an escape. From, from the everyday. And it's tough coming home, especially flying into New York, you know, because ideally the way JFK and LaGuardia greet you is like you get off the plane, someone punches you in the face, and you go back to life in New York City. And being well, out there. Welcome back. <laughs> yeah. It's like that big hand in the new jackass yeah, movie. Right. But uh, it's, you know, it, 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 is, it is such an escape, and being out in the woods and, you know, all the camaraderie. I will, invent an, I will invent an excuse, which is sort of true story, which is that I did go to a uh, Can't Make a Dream event. I did go to a Planet Cancer retreat, and I had thought about going to First Descent because I was, uh, I2I had not yet become what it was. This was in the summer of 07 when we were just kicking off. And then, like, I just didn't go. <laughs> That's all I can say about that. Now I will have separation anxiety from my two six-month-olds if I do leave, and my wife might leave me for going away for a week, Fair enjoying enough. myself while she's home getting thrown up on. 
But that's what grandparents are for. So you have your parents and Jess's parents. So that's no, I think five she of still them hate me. Be. She's in the chat room. I think she still hate me. You so. guys don't allow, or do you, uh, loved ones to come along? Is it strictly for the cancer survivor, or if somebody wants to bring a spouse or partner? You know, we we did experience, uh, experiment with that kind of caregiver survivor uh, program, and it worked really well. We had a great time. What we found to possibly be even more effective would be to perhaps uh, create a caregiver program and separating the two groups and allowing, because we found that, say, a husband of a uh, wife with breast cancer really wanted to connect with another husband and ask him questions, much like the survivors want to connect with each other and ask their own questions. And so um, almost in, in putting the pairs together, it still created maybe a bit of a crutch where a lot of what we do is rip you out of everything you know and throw you into a really challenging uh, new crazy situation and let you figure it out on your own. And uh, so we've tried it, but yeah, right now it's, our model works really well the the way it's set up and that you come alone. What happens at night? I mean, do you... Jack, don't answer answer that. Teo tries to get into your cabin and you call the cops. Are you too exhausted? Does everybody sit around and swap stories? Great question. We're, uh, we, we believe pretty strongly that, that the, the adventure component of our programs is what uh, is the catalyst for any, quote-unquote, for lack of better word, therapy that happens. And so we, we don't push it much beyond that. You know, we have some fun traditions, whatever. We goof off. It's a really light atmosphere. But there's very little. Yeah. <laughs> this is, Stay and, away from and, me, Matt. And then Jack gets there. And then Jack gets out of the hot tub. Uh, I thought what happens at camp stays at camp. No. <laughs> well, we we really don't. We don't. Uh, we don't structure conversation. I figure that um, everyone's there with their own kind of root of healing, and they're all going to find it and connect with people they need to connect with. Some people want to talk, Jack. Some people don't want to talk. It's true. Yeah. Um, and no one's forced to talk. You know, there's there's the campfire at night, and you know, there's there's there is some really like emotional uh stuff going on, but it's not it's not like a touchy feeling type of experience such as like a like a point of cancer or a make a dream where you're like focusing on stuff that you're still trying to get over. It's just you know, like like we both said, it's getting out of your every day, doing something fun with a group of people that you share something in common with. And, and you really make friends for life. You do. The part of our first ascent that I really like, uh that I that I think is it defines them as you know, I mean they're they're clearly differentiated than other uh, retreat programs in this country. But the nickname thing really got to me. I love the fact that everyone has a nickname, and I love the fact that everyone forgets they have real names. Our own right. Amanda. And nobody knows, like, like nobody who know, like knows who that is. Right. Like someone come up to me and be like, do you know Matt Hain? And I'm like, who the hell is Matt Hain? And they'd be like, Mateo. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I know Mateo. Right. Uh, and as I said, our own Amanda Freeman is Zesty. Is Zesty. Zesty. Yeah, right. yeah, that's right. That happened to me at the finish line of the marathon. Actually, a girl running in a Team FD shirt came up. She's like, oh, I'm running. I'm Trevor so-and-so's girlfriend. And I was like, who's Trevor? Yeah, and then someone's like, oh, that's Bacon. And I was like, Bacon? Why do you say Bacon? <laughs> yeah, that happens so much. Um, yeah, the nickname thing just happened really, again, organically. No one, It wasn't like planned. Uh, people started getting nicknames. But then we realized once you show up at camp, no one knows anyone. From staff to participants, to, no one knows anybody, so no one knows anyone's names, and so why not make up new names? Right. And it's a much easier way to Which, get to know. But it is, you see, now the downside to that is when you're trying to friend request all your new first ascent <laughs> friends, you're like, I don't even know their first name, let alone their last name. And... Very nice, very yeah. nice. How many, um, Lisa, I guess, uh, either one of you, over the past 10 years, an official happy 10 year 
Um, oh, thanks. Organization of we're gonna, we're gonna do that one again next year, by the way, too. Okay. Years, so just yeah. that's very nice. Yeah. Well, Jack doesn't do math, so he'll be there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, how many still fifty? How many right? collective survivors do you think that you've serviced uh, or supported, or it's probably a better word? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jack has serviced several. But <laughs> um, I'm kidding. I love you. Uh, hey, you got to make money somehow. To date, we're <laughs> officially 825, I think, is the number. 825 Something collectively. Like that. that is the years. number. Yeah, That's 8, amazing. 825 or 830, somewhere in there. So, yeah, we're, but like Lisa said, we're, stepmom, sorry. We're, it feels weird to call her Lisa. I know. It's I'm like sorry. calling, you know, if you call your mom, mom, and then you say, whatever your mom's name anyway. So, uh, we're, we're, we're Roz. <laughs> uh, by 2015 to be at 1,000 per year. Uh, in 2020, 2000 is a pretty realistic kind of uh, growth trajectory. Right, right. Okay. What, what's your most memorable moment, Lisa, being involved with FD? Meeting me. That oh is, no, besides, that was mine. That was mine. Don't take it. Besides meeting radio or Jack, um, God, there's so many great moments, moments with um, Beamers in the studio with you and, I remember the first day I was a volunteer and they let me go in the kayak and God, I was just awful. I was all over the place, wasn't paying attention, was missing Alan and all of a sudden Beamer just sort of friended me and we started talking. We were on the water and next thing I know I was with him and Angel was also in the studio and three of us were just talking about Alan and I'm crying but the best part is I was going straight on the water. Like I was totally out of trouble and there's just so many memories like that of people at First Defense who just take care of you in so many different ways and it's amazing. It's just an amazing magical place being a camp. Just again, I mean, I go back to this idea that <clears throat> we we discussed this on the plane and you know what what needs to be done so that every and I guess it's lofty to say every, but that you know I think our shared charter is that no young adult diagnosed with cancer should go unaware of organizations like First Sense, of ours, of, you know, Tamika, the, the the standard rash of groups that are really at the highest um, level of engagement with this population. How is it possible that so many things slip through the cracks? What are the barriers? And Brian was very lucky. Sloan is an international organization. They had your stuff. Good for that. But there are 5,000 hospitals and cancer centers in this country. I think 5,800 is the number that our chairman, Dr. Leonard Sender, uses. They're not all cancer centers, but they're hospitals, plus all of the campus facilities, uh, colleges around the country, the guys that gave me Robitussin for brain cancer. What are the barriers to getting these 70,000, and let alone the fact that there's over a million survivors in this country under 40 who are still between, you know, in the first sense age range, we, yes, you want to do a thousand a season. How do you get to that? What, what are your goals? Your, besides working with us, of course. But what, what do you see as your goals in you know? Besides the word of mouth, you have a tremendously passionate group of followers who have benefited the campers. What, what Lisa? What, what what's going to go on there? Um, well, we have a lot of different things going on. We have obviously hoped to be on your show and connect with everyone with I2I. You guys have been very generous with to us and sending people our way. Um, other things we have going on, we have Team First Descent, which got launched this year, which was really getting the word out about people accepting a challenge, doing an event, whether it's a marathon, climbing Mount Rainier, a 5K walk, raising money while accepting this challenge, and, and talking about First Descent at the same time. You know, really starting to educate, you know, people who are doing things for us 
rather than people going out, doing an event, and, you know, that's it. So educating people and a lot of recruitment at the different um, – Sorry, I'm losing the word I'm looking for. A lot of recruitment at the different conferences that you go, you know, we all go to. I we think. It. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, no, I, 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 you kind of, you skimmed over it, but I, I think it's really important to talk about the collaboration that you know we've all been working on, even at a really base level of getting together with. I mean, there's the Young Adult Alliance, which I think focuses more on the strategy of the Young Adult Movement, but as as individual organizations. Every participant that comes through our programs now is educated about Immerman Angels, is educated about you guys, is educated about Tamika, and, and all the or other opportunities and resources that are available free of charge. And it baffles me every time for them to go, I wish I'd known about that sooner. And I just go, how could you, you know, how, where, where, is, where is the gap here? How are you not knowing about these things before we tell you or vice versa? And so... Um, at least that's one step in the right direction, something that is only going to get stronger, is that once you're caught in this web of young adult cancer and organizations, hopefully you're you're kind of plugged into the, the entire circuit and everything else out there and, and know that all these other things are available and they're free. That's baffling to me. It is baffling, and it, it remains one of the biggest barriers to ensuring, again, going back to this charter that I think we all agree and share on, is that no young adult should go unaware. Of of all the resources they have available, at least you have a chat room question. I was just comment? Say, speaking of the resources, we just have a straightforward question that says, "Are the 2011 camps open?" They are not officially open, and uh, and we'll obviously tell you guys uh, about it. And uh, it should be open before the end of the year. So if you visit firstdefense.org, we're going to get you guys to put up on your sites, hopefully, and and Immerman, everyone else, and blast it out. Um, and start opening our programs. We'll have about 28 weeks of programming. Each program allows 15 spots. Uh, it's a first-come, first-served thing. This year, uh, something we're switching up, Jack, um, that, that you'll see that's different, is in the years past, we've kind of mixed uh, alum with new first-time participants. Now what we're doing is having a level one program where if you haven't been before, you go to that with 14 others who haven't been either. Oh, nice. Um, and from there, you go to a level two program, and you can go there for a couple of years, which is all returning participants. And then from there, you can graduate into uh, more uh, advanced programming. So not open yet, but they will be soon. Again, free of charge. I always say the hard part is getting camp, so you did that. The easy part should be going to camp. So, Is there a limit simple. on how many times someone can come back? Uh, well, so there used to be kind of this uh, three-year, you've been three times, you know, we, we need to open these spots to other people, unless, of course, you've relapsed, which we view as a newly diagnosed person, naturally. And um, now what we've done, again, going back to that program models, we've got FD1, we've got FD2, which is two- and three-year returnees, and then this FDX concept whereby you can um, join Team FD, you can challenge yourself, raise money to basically pay for someone else's spot who hasn't been and in doing so, qualify to go on a trip of your choice, which is going to be things uh, like we'll, we'll post these in different difficulty ratings, but climbing Rainier, multi-day kayak programs, international programs. So partnering with our outfitters and taking the cream of the crop with what they offer their their uh, clients and, and basically getting those spots for our participants. How many of these camps do you And you can go as many times as you want on that. Sorry, that was... To bring that full circle. Not, yeah, not, yeah. not me. Yeah. You mean no. in general. <laughs> well, the euphemistic me. You're yeah. going to rookie camp. <laughs> um, Matthew's but, waiting for the Wii edition of First to Center. Yeah, right. <laughs> I want an iPhone app. I want yeah. a Brad Love an iPhone app. <laughs> yeah, then I'll come along and drown him in his living room. <laughs> Shut up, Jeff. 
Um, Brad, how many of these do you personally go on? Uh, nowadays, sadly, only three, four, five, somewhere in there. Um, we've got this really exciting new concept of our programs that we're now training staff to lead these programs. And the coolest part about this for me is that uh, two of these guys, Mateo and, and Beamer right here in this room, are some of the staff leading those programs. And so a lot of the staff that we train to lead the experience of First Descents is now led by uh, First Descents alum, which is, is a pretty cool thing to see happening. That's and great. so uh, unfortunately means I don't get to be there or have to be there as often as I might like. But um, I really appreciate those three weeks I get. Very cool. are, are there people who go to First Descents events hoping that you'll be there, find out you're not, and then go home? Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. I think, I think you've got me confused with Jack. <laughs> that's, that's Jack before. No, no, those are people who go to First Essential Trees expecting to see you see Jack. <laughs> and then go home. And then go home. <laughs> no, you know, you know what is funny, though, is a lot of the participants at Jack's programs, they, re- they you know, if I met you, 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 you look familiar, you sound familiar, I think I know, and well, then it comes out that he is right. the... The, the Jack, Jack Buford. Well, you know, I got I got two quick stories regarding that. One oh, is, is how I got my nickname when I went to the Pacific Northwest camp last last year. I I went in kind of like, okay, I'm a camper. I'm gonna you know just be one of the group. And uh, we're going to the river the first day, and Snelly's driving us, and there's this young 19 uh, year old girl in the front, and there's like four of us in the back of the van. And uh, Bree Schmidt, whose nickname is Lava is telling Smelly about the stupid cancer show and I2Y. So I'm in the back of the van. I'm like, wait, hold on a second. I'm like, she's talking about me. So I'm like, you know, listening in. And she's like, yeah, you know, they have this radio show. It's really great. There's Matthew Zachary and blah, 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 blah. So then I'm just like, well, what about the guy who cracks jokes and does the news, re- the re- the, uh, news report? And she turns around and goes, oh, the crazy guy? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, And I'm like, yeah. She's like, yeah, what's his name? And I'm like, Jack Buffard. She's like, yeah. Wait, that's you. <laughs> so, so then my nickname, which Smelly was trying to give me, was Crazy Guy from the Radio, and I was like, "Well, can we shorten that up a little bit?" And she's like, "Okay, you're Crazy Guy," and I'm like, "Can we shorten that up?" You know. So then it just it just turned out to be Radio, and then the other one was uh, attending the Vail Camp this summer with Mateo. Everybody gets to sign their name on the inside of the short bus that takes you to and from the airport and to the river every day or whatever. So I went in the uh, second week of August, and there were, I think, three camps after mine. And people would write me on Facebook or write on my wall or whatever. It's like, I saw your signature on the bus, and, like, I just got back from First Descent, and your name was the first thing I saw when I got picked up at the airport or whatever. So, He's famous. He's famous. He's invented I, himself in a I'm way. I'm not even famous him. at my family dinner table of one. No. <laughs> I want to share yeah, something. This, is a, this applies to... I mean, people. We have a lot of people listening that aren't survivors that are just tuning in sometimes for the first time. It's really important to, to wrap ourselves around why there's a need for young adults to go to first descent, to engage in this community, to be a part of something bigger than themselves. Why they're disenfranchised, and I want to share a story of a young woman named Ann Kramer, who I believe I don't know if she went. Did she go to first descent? Ann Kramer. She's in the chat room. She's in the chat room. All right. Well, she'll she'll Speak up. Ann Kramer uh, is from near Detroit, I believe, and she's a young adult survivor, came to the OMG Summit, saw all you guys there, really is a, a huge proponent and a passionate advocate of the young adult movement. And she wanted me to share a story with everyone tonight on what it's like to be a young adult with cancer based on her, this particular experience. And it's, it's a travesty. 
and it's in Yiddish we say it's a shanda. It's not okay that this happens. She was on a dating website trying to, you know, just connect, and she was uh, rejected um, based on an implication that cancer is all she's able to talk about, so no one would be interested in meeting her. Total silence. Yeah. I was blown away when she said that. But I think this goes back to the issue of there is a huge stigma, whether you're 15 and being bullied, which is another story that we, we posted, which is ridiculous, or whether you're in your 20s or 30s just trying to get your life back together, there's still a stigma. that not just, You're not just radioactive and some sort of joke, but like you can't possibly integrate yourself into society. Are there that many social barriers and, and just misaligned perceptions that prohibit you from living your life all because you survived and are trying to live through and beyond your diagnosis. And that is an example of why First Descent is so critical, because it destigmatizes, it puts you in your room with 400 people at the summit, at 20 people at a relay, and if I go to Brian and say, hey, what, what's up, you know, stick, you know, <laughs> he'll know what I'm talking about. I was, you know, we were at the, the Alliance meeting, and one of Dr. Sender's... Um, Social worker programmers were there. She's um, an amputee Indian American young adult, and she was there with crutches. And I said, "You're missing something." Yeah, it's just it's she's standing with one leg. This is the language that we can use that we're comfortable with, which you'd never say to anyone else. But at the same time, the real world is telling us this is all we can talk about and go with your own people. Not acceptable. Yeah, it's important. I it's important to remind people that you know just because you've had cancer, you're still a person. Yeah, it doesn't define you. It's something that happened to you not who you are and that's uh it's i think through through challenges and and what we offer at first ascent it's a great way to to remind themselves and the people watching that they're still very capable normal people right that can can do as much more than anyone else it's it's you know cancer doesn't it isn't life it doesn't define life you're, right you're still in in control and in charge so and but, at the end of that week you know a lot of us go into that week nervous and we're like i've never been on the water before i don't know what the hell i'm doing and then the last day, we're doing our graduation rapid, and it's just awesome. And, you know, these guys can attest that. You you, you just see it on, on the campers' faces of what it's like on day one and what it's like on the last day. And, you know, I'm a testament of that, and it, it's just awesome. I'm game. I'm going. You, I'm in. Yeah, Lisa? I'm in. <laughs> All right. You think I can drag this one with me? I'm waiting Zachary? for Jack to make Can I be there, please? I'm waiting for Jack to make an elderly comment. Can I be the camp photog that week? <laughs> <laughs> now, isn't it true at the end of every retreat you, you, like, write a story yourselves or you anecdote your experiences somehow? Is that something you do? Yeah. Yeah, like like we we are like for my camp we we wrote a letter to ourselves. That's, that's what be, it is. You write a yeah, letter. I think to they yourself. said like in a year or so they're going to mail it to us. Yeah, just send it back. It's we usually do yeah, it. We're never um, mailing yours. Yeah, because <laughs> it's on your refrigerator. Yeah. <laughs> All those nice things you said about. Very it. nice. Very nice. We uh we yeah we do some stuff like that just to a lot of times one of the hardest things that we've seen is is going from camp back to life. Uh, you know, you, you kind of fall back into the stigmatism of cancer, the routine of cancer, the the life of cancer, and some of the the negative things that you've associated with cancer. And so, to go from such a high, surrounded by a new family, people who get it, people who've been there, that you know, and, and these amazing, beautiful places, and uh, standing at the top of a mountain, you know, several pitches up on a rock face at the bottom of a class three rapid, it's easy to lose sight of that when you go home. And so we we thought, well, what are some ways we can kind of 
capture that moment. And so at some point in the last day or sometime in the week, just a really amazing place. Like in Moab, we were up getting ready to rappel off this arch after coming through the slot canyon and uh, just gave everyone a piece of paper and said, hey, you know, write something, we'll send it to you later. And, you know, whatever it is right now that you feel to capture this, to remind yourself that you can read. And so it's just stuff like that, you know. Really, really try to keep it, again, mellow. Uh, allow each person to, to to interpret everything and every experience as they want to for themselves and, and not force anyone through anything except maybe some of the, you know, crazy adventure stuff that we do. But Jack writes, I don't even miss Jersey Shore. I can't, <laughs> right, exactly. I don't even miss Snooki. I can't believe Jersey it. Jersey Shore will be returning with season three on January 6th. Thank you very much. I, actually, Jack watches The Bachelorette, you know, or the, you know, he, that that's what he would really miss. You can't trash The Bachelorette. Why not? We could trash The Bachelorette. Uh, yeah, oh, The oh. Bachelor. Actually, no. Ryan would trash it right there with you. Oh, no. What was that guy that Evan Marriott? Can we trash him? Absolutely. Okay, sure, let's yeah. trash Evan Marriott. Okay. He was uh, Joe Millionaire or something. He was right? Joe Millionaire, right. Exactly. Absolutely. A lot of, a lot of survivors talk about cancer. Jack talks about reality shows. Yes. <laughs> and Oprah. And Oprah. Lots of Oprah. And his cat. He also wants, no, two cats. Jack has two cats. So I think that sums Jack up on a nutshell. Right there. Somebody out there would date me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, this is a great. What a, another great show! This no, no, this is game. important. Uh, like I'm again, my mission in life. Yes, I'd love to see I2Y makes a million dollars a year one day. I'd like to think that we will achieve that very quickly. But you guys have been around for ten years. It took you ten years to get to a million dollars. Yeah, and I think that's a testament to. I mean, it's probably an exponential though. You reach a certain hit, and then you're mm-hmm. you're bumping up, and now you're on fire. Yeah. My goal is to make sure that as many young adults as possible know you exist. That's Thank my you. personal mission. Thank because you. Because I wish. I mean, it, it goes back to what you said. The two things that people tell me when they find out about I2I were a, where were you when they needed you, and I finally have a home that I can give back to the next me. And I think that that applies to every young adult organization. And I feel the same way. Where was I when I needed me? And where were you when I needed me? Because it would have been nice in 1996 at Sloan Kettering to go to your your camp um, four years before you invented it. Yeah. And we hate ourselves for that. It's all very confusing. Where was I when I needed me? Yes. What? Can I get a hot tub? <laughs> but, but there is, I mean, likewise for us to be able, you know, we we just talked about this going home from our program. We don't, our programs are a week a year. And outside of that, our participants facilitate a lot of adventures on their own with their new friends. They come to our ball, et cetera. But one of the great things is plugging them into to I2Y, giving them resources, support groups, people that meet regularly in their area, that other young adult survivors that speak that language, Immerman, another great example, someone that, they can then get involved with Emmerman and start mentoring someone and um, really just trying to make every young adult, you know, grow that web so that once they're caught in it, they're connected to everybody. And I think that's the most important thing that all of our organizations can do, and you guys have done especially well. This Ember Moment is brought to you by Emmerman Angels. Be well, number one. Johnny Emmerman, everybody. Like Halloween all over again. That was amazing. <laughs> But in all seriousness, I'm very, very excited um, to be able to have you on the show at least once a year, Thanks. if not more. I know that we Honored. were talking about, um, honestly, we were talking about integrating some sort of I2I, First Sense, Immerman boot camp educational program to the ball next spring or whenever you have it. We, we need to get Denver activated into like the, the next big hot spot 
for young adult activation. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we're still on board with that for sure. And, yeah. And uh, yeah, we can't lose sight of that vision. It's it's just another step in the way. It's a big it's a big thing. We're very excited. And I have never I I can say never. I've been to Denver once in my whole life. That's good. Well, you I, should come next year for the eighty ski party. Oh you'd, yeah, you'll well, see Denver in a whole. Well, new here's way. what you gave Colorado a Jewish population. No, here's the secret. <laughs> here's the secret. No one knows except my wife and Lisa Goodman Goldstein is that I skied from the age of three to the age of twenty-one. You're kidding? No way. Yes, come what? back to Denver. I was like a, coming. So home. you I have a, eighty skiers. I was going to say, just year. break out one of those outfits. <laughs> I wasn't. I don't fit in those outfits anymore. <laughs> That's the point. You're not supposed to. No one fit in their outfits. I, uh, in that party. I was a triple diamond like. Get out. 11, 11 year old, you know, with no poles, just with arms out in totally. a puff jacket <laughs> and a helmet. Flying with gravity and a helmet. Yeah, that was me. How do you stop? You hit a tree. My, my, that was my dad told Perfect. me how to ski from the age of three. He was Eddie the Eagle. And I, might, I, what? I think you might be aging yourself with the triple black diamond. Well, it was, it was, this was like at Mount Stowe or Mount Snow and Mount Mansfield in Vermont, you know, when they tried to like make things extra scary. <laughs> And I did age myself with the triple black diamond. Shows you how long it's been since I've gone on skis. Well, it's time to it's time to get back to Colorado. I tell you, the last time I skied, they hadn't invented ellipticals yet. What's yeah. an elliptical? The elliptical skis. Oh, yeah. gotcha. Well, now we're way past. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like three generations of skis behind the I think, I think Matt skied on wooden skis. Lisa Goldstein yeah, learned how to yeah, ski on it's, tree bark. It's, it's actually parabolic <laughs> skis. That's what I meant. Parabolic. Yeah, I see that? See, I, I don't even the, know what the, the technology was. Right. Parabolic. Let's just focus on getting Matt in a kayak first. Yeah, yeah, one thing at a time. Maybe we should end the show before we start making factual errors when it comes to outdoor sports. (laughs) I'm allowed to make factual errors because I used to think that the Detroit Tigers were in the zoo. And he also thought an outdoor sport was hailing a cab. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that that it is for us in New York. Okay. Anyway. All right, well, this has been one of the more entertaining and and slightly frightening shows that we've ever had. But it worked out. We have thousands of people in the studio tonight. We're kind of frightening. Well, Brad brings out everybody. Seventeen yeah. people in the studio tonight. I couldn't be more thrilled. A new can, record. Can I get everyone in the studio to start clapping and saying ooh and ah? Because we're very excited. We're so excited to have Yay. you guys here tonight. We're so excited to have Lisa and and Brad here calling in. This is the the first descent I to I. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Thanks, yes. Man. Good stuff. And again, everybody at the. First Ascent calendar is on the I2I page, and the I2I calendar yes, is on the First Yes, we, we, we share our calendar. We share our calendar. Absolutely. And Beamer. And well, Beamer. We, well, yes. we're going to thank yeah, our guests. We're going to do our official we're thank you. We're going to thank our official thank you guests. Yeah. All right. So, Lisa, thank you so much for uh, for coming on the show. Um, thank and you we're gonna, guys for everything. Thank you, Seth, Mom. And uh, I guess uh, now it's time for our, our, uh, our closing sequence. Prepare to activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, Internet. You ever seen a grown man naked? And so, to all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, Magoo, you've done it again. That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. All right, folks, that is tonight's show, our 159th broadcast. We hope you had as much fun as we did poking a stick at Stupid Cancer. All right, we'd like to thank our guests. Ryan Wickman, Brad Ludden, Lisa Goodman, Goldstein in our studio, Matthew Hain, Lillian Lorenzo, Luasif, Elisa Rodriguez, Lindsay Snow, Osborne, April Capil, Angela Rossi, Lauren Callaghan, Pam Papapitro, Jenny Corey, Susan Moser, Amanda Freeman, Kenny Kane, Aaron Eloise. 
And a partridge in a pear tree. (laughs) (laughs) Next week's show, come back, everybody. Next week, Cause Marketing with David Hezekiel, founder and president of the Cause Marketing Forum. Gail Stulick, Ph.D., medical sociologist and the author of Pink Ribbon Blues, How Breast Cancer Culture Undermines Women's Health. And in our Survivor Spotlight, Naomi Bartley, young adult survivor, of course, of leukemia and thyroid cancer, developer of iCancer app for iOS. 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 That's okay. We forgive you. Thank you. Warm in here. All right, if you missed any of our past shows, subscribe to the iTunes podcast and download them all at iTunes.i2y.com or check out the archives at stupidcancershow.com. Remember, folks, if it's not stupid, it's not cancer. We'll see you all back here next week live. From the chemo deck, Jack Lafarge, Lisa Bernhardt, Amanda Freeman, Captain Sweet and I wish you all a great week. Go to bed, Amanda Freeman!